Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 12th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast, a podcast Woo. about board games, tabletop games, yeah. Candyland. No. No? No? Oh, I mean, sorry. we can talk about Candyland. Sure. Yeah, Candyland. Boo. Done. Move uh, on. My name is SBJ, and uh, around the table today, I have Alan. That's a me! <laughs> you can't do the voice you do. I'm sorry. Any... <laughs> it's, it's, it's me. <laughs> and we have Sean. That is me. And we are here to talk to you guys about board games and tabletop games and uh, all those other things. We have a three-segment show for you guys today. We're going to start off with Table Talk, which is what we've recently pl- recently been playing. And then we're going to talk about our... Uh, it's actually a three-week process. We're going to talk about expensive games, uh, games that are over $40 that you can get uh, your friends and family for Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. And then next week will be games between $20 and $40. And then our final week will be stuffing stocking stuffers uh which would be twenty dollars and under so this week will be the expensive games that we will talk about and what we recommend you to pick up this holiday season mm. and then alan has a whole bunch of interaction satisfaction stuff that we're going to tackle at the end of the episode i hope we have time yeah we've we like doubled our length last week we did yeah Story i didn't hear Sean's any complaints life. that's true Ooh. um I will say, though, if you started listening to it and you didn't finish it or you listened to it and it was staticky, that was an error on my part. It exported wrong. I did um, I did upload a brand new version of that show without any static. So if for any reason you like to listen to reruns of Tuesday Night Podcast, uh, that is now static free. Yeah. So my apologies. Uh, let's dive right into things. Uh, let's go around the <laughs> table talk here. <laughs> Uh, wait, I'm sorry, SBJ. How was Cyber Monday for you? Uh, at my job? Yeah. Did you have tons job. of cybering? Uh, I am extremely exhausted still. Uh, Cybered out. I have not, I have not caught up with sleep and I don't know if maybe I'm getting sick or something. I've just, I've, I've slept like eight or eight to nine hours every night. And I still wake up exhausted. Well, it is our job to revitalize you during this podcast, sir. Get so pumped. I won't say the exact numbers, but on Cyber Monday with no deals, we sold four times as many Two Rooms at a Boom copies as we normally do on Monday, just yeah. based on it being Cyber should, Monday. You should have jacked the price. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. Maybe we should jack up the price. <laughs> I was going the other way. Like, man, if we had offered a discount, I wonder how many more we would have sold. I just want oh, yeah. people to play our game. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's why I don't work for you guys. Because you don't want people to play our game? Double the price. <laughs> uh, let's start off with the uh, table talk. It's time for the table talk. Um, I have not been playing anything. That's why you're exhausted. That is That's why the I'm exhausted. Table talk. That's uh, it. Yeah, We're, SBJ's tired. Moving on to the next. Moving on, I, Alan. You've always played something. That's why you're here. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. A player. Uh, player, don't hate me. So. I played some Two Rooms in a Boom. Better Ooh. believe that. Played some Pie Face. So that's a classic Hasbro or going to be classic Hasbro game. Played Word Blur. Fake Artist Goes to New York. And Salem. Yes, those were my games. And it was cool because I played Salem on our Tuesday night gathering. And it showed up in the mail that afternoon. Cracked it open. Threw it on the table. And we got to play it. Is Pretty this different? Cool. 
than the game I played with you this summer? Totally different than New Salem. Okay. New Salem is a different social deduction game. Salem is kind of uh, werewolf meets. It's just another entry into the social deduction game. Which which yeah. one's better, Salem or New Salem? You know what? I would say they're different enough that that's comparing apples to oranges. They both deserve a place in social deduction gaming history. Yeah, inevitably people will compare them because of their Last names. Place. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I think they'll also compare them because it's card driven I would say when it comes to social deduction games what I'd like to do from now on is rank them on a werewolf to one night ultimate werewolf scale where werewolf is almost all intuition intuiting the vibes you get from people mm-hmm. whereas one night ultimate werewolf is very logical tracing your steps back with some in- intuition Maybe the extreme uh, logic is resistance with the expansion, with the plot cards, where you actually get to look at other people's character cards so Uh you know that they're a spy or not. So that's probably the most logical of the social deduction games. Resistance with plot cards versus regular old werewolf slash mafia. I've always hated resistance with plot cards. It's it is just, hey, let's call each other a liar because we have to. That's what it is. I think I think maybe that's that's it. It just always gets more heated, even though there's just, more information available. Yeah, you have perfect information. Oh, I know SBJ's a spy. SBJ, I just saw your card. You're a spy. Now what do you have to do, SBJ? You have two choices. What are they? I either accept that and lose the game for my team, or I call you a liar. And that is the game of the <laughs> resistance with plot cards. Crazy. I like that idea of a spectrum, though, of saying, you know, this is more uh, ferreting out, intuiting, and and more logical. I think that's super helpful for um, social deduction games. Is is Secret Hitler going to be the game that replaces Resistance with plot cards for you, Alan? You know what? I haven't played Secret Hit- Secret Hitler yet. Of course, I backed it like a crack addict, but I don't know. But I'm going to say automatically yes. Because even though I love Travis Worthington, he has a warm place in my heart. If Resistance was wiped off of the face of the earth, I think the planet would be a better place. (laughs) Speaking of the planet being a better place, did either of you buy $5 worth of nothing from Cards Against Humanity? No, No. I don't buy anything from Max Temkin. Whoa. I, I I I backed Secret Hitler, but I'm... Cards Against Humanity rubs me the wrong way in more reasons than just the cards. Fair enough. Well, there goes the rest of the episode. Go (laughs) on, SBJ. How does it rub you the wrong way? The problem that I see with Cards Against Humanity... Also, can you describe what rubbing you the right way is like? Oh, that's for after the podcast. All right. (laughs) Okay, all right. So the problem I have with Cards Against Humanity, it's a game that's supposed to be funny, Mm. but instead people take it as... If I can be the most offensive, then I will be the most funny. I can see what you mean because some people say there's broken cards. Balls deep in a hog is what some people call a broken card because it almost always wins. Whereas apples to apples, the original cards against humanity, (laughs) (laughs) people argue that that uses a lot more creativity that you have to read your judge a lot more. Now, in Cards Against Humanity, you still have to read your judge, 
For instance, if you just go for the most crude, vulgar thing, that probably won't fly with me because I'm looking for cleverness. Mm -hmm. Where Cards Against Humanity does beat apples to apples, in my opinion, are in the cards where you have to use multiple cards because that is genius. And that's where more creativity can come in. But the reason so many people love apples to apples and Cards Against Humanity is easy entry, but the humor is in the cards. You don't do anything except play cards. You could be the most introverted introverted person ever and just pop, pop, play a card. Oh, everyone's laughing. I made everyone laugh. <laughs> That's why people love Cards Against Humanity so much. It's also like, well, while it is a game, it's not really a game because who is playing Cards Against Humanity to win? Me. <laughs> World Championship what- three-peat, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I'm planning on doing with our newsletter. So if you sign up for our Tuesday night newsletter, we will send it out once a year, maybe twice a year. Depends, Usually probably. when we have like a big thing to announce, like we've got a Kickstarter coming up or, you know, we're selling in a country we haven't sold in before, that kind of thing. Yeah. And we never want to sp- make people feel like we're spamming them or just giving them advertisements. So I always like to put in a free print and play game or something. And I think what I'm going to do is start adding in games you can play as an alternative to Cards Against Humanity with the Cards Against Humanity cards. Oh, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah, for instance, Monikers Against Humanity. You can play Monikers with Cards Against Humanity cards. Boom, you're welcome. Fake artist goes to New York with Cards Against Humanity cards. (laughs) Boom, you're welcome. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) So I I did back Secret Hitler just because... um, I, I love hidden role games. and It took me all- a second to realize what you were saying because I thought you were saying something sexual about Hitler there. I did back seek Hitler. Oh, back secret Hitler. <laughs> back so sorry. Secret Hitler. Speaking of cards week. against humanity, mine. Sorry. Go on. So you did back <laughs> so I, it. I did back it. I love hidden role games. My playgroup loves hidden role games. Uh, we're definitely burned out of the resistance and one night ultimate werewolf. Or at least I'm burnt out. So that means I'm going to make... I'm not going to bring those games. Um, but I do... Even though I hate Cards Against Humanity and I despise like a bunch of white male people getting together and making offensive jokes and then telling everyone that it's actually okay and just have a sense of humor, while that doesn't fly with me, um, I do like the way that Max does Kickstarters where it's pretty much like, here's your one option to back. If you don't want to, whatever. And he does very successful with that. Like his werewolf game that I backed, I loved the art. I loved how simple it was. I loved the little website he went up for it, and I love that, that I think there was two reward tiers. It was just like one copy or two copies. And then with Secret Hitler, he did the same thing. It's one copy or I think the other one's what, two copies? Sean, Google that right now. Check it out. Google it. You're, you're, you're the man on the inside. <laughs> I feel like the computer guy on all the hacker TV shows. Secret I do Hitler. want to talk about Max Tempkin because we go to XOXO Fest, and that's for lack of a better term, a very liberal, free-spirited place that's supposed to be really progressive and cutting edge. Time out. Okay. You can get one copy of Secret Hitler or a copy of Secret Hitler plus a Cards Against Humanity expansion pack. Oh, okay. See, and I think the way he does that is like super clever. Like pretty much one option, and then if you're a hardcore Cards Against Humanity person, you're obviously going to get the the second option. But I don't feel like as somebody who doesn't like Cards Against Humanity, it's like, oh, I can't get that because, one, it's ridiculously expensive and I can't afford it, or, like, two, like, I'm not sure how that's going to pan out. I, I, th- those two options are very clear, and he does that consistently throughout his all his Kickstarters. 
Whereas if you see a lot of other board game Kickstarters, they have like 30 different options and you're like, I'm not, do I want a t-shirt or like, why is, <laughs> why is the t-shirt 30 more dollars for the, uh, it's just, Kickstarter should be simple. I think, I think a lot of people are falling in line with that. And I believe Sean and I are going to fall in line with that when we do our next Kickstarter of World Championship Russian Roulette. So we're going to just try keeping to it, it simple. simple. Yeah. We're just going to narrow it down to eight possible options. We're not going to have 15. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Eight per country. Right. Right. Do you want the game? Do you want the game and a virtual high five and your name shouted out? Do you want the game and just the name shout out? Do you want just you your want name shouted out? the game and for us to destroy a copy of the game? We can give you a copy of the game that we've slapped across the room a couple of times just so you can say your game's been around a little bit more. That's a good option. Anyway, Alan, I interrupted you. What were you saying? Max Temkin. So mm, we go to XOXO. XOXO Fest, and he was uninvited at XOXO Fest. They asked him not to come anymore because of the, you know, I'm just going to say it, the rape accusation. I, I know that's a really horrible topic to bring up. We're getting serious here. <laughs> I feel like this and is they, my fault now because I brought him up. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say it is your fault. <laughs> It, it is All right, fair, you, fair. You brought up like I don't want to support that and the white male standing around, and I totally feel that, and I totally agree with that. However, I will say, Max has taken steps to try to rectify that situation. Sean, tell him about the punching down versus punching up. Oh, now I'm in this. <laughs> Sucked uh, you in. I don't want to be alone. You got to have my back, bro. Can I? T- can I tell you? <laughs> I'll give Sean a, a minute here. What actually? convinced me to back secret hitler um was because i watched the video and in the video i actually saw like a black person and a black female like a black male and a black female and that's actually what like kind of put me over the edge to actually back it and i know like some people are like well that must be like really dumb but like prior to me being in an interracial relationship i probably would have like backed it and had no problems but now that like I see all the problems that my girlfriend struggles with because she's a black woman. Like it's made me more aware of like, they're not treated the same as a standard white male. So when like eight white males got together and they made cards against humanity, like some of those jokes, they're all bad, but. Oh, some, some are really cringeworthy. I'll totally back you up. And we could have an entire podcast podcast dedicated to institutionalized racism and socioeconomic status and how there's systematic oppression, whether people realize it or not. I'm totally down with that, and I totally concur with you. So I'm not going to give you a hard time, criticize, or even be surprised that you had that experience. I want to validate that, brother. But I'm glad that you told me that Max is working on improving that because I I think he's a super creative person. Yeah, It's weird that you single out Max to me. Well, he's he's the face of it. I guess that's true. People Alex sing Hague out is Alan a friend all the of time. Max. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> People don't realize that all the mistakes are mine. Alan's just in front. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's he's trying. And the other thing that I can't shake a stick at is the amount of charity that they've put money towards. So, in fact, have you heard what they're doing with the Buy Nothing campaign that they've made? How much money have they made so far? Over three grand, something like that? Googling. <laughs> so just for our listeners, if you don't know, what you can do right now is you can go to the Cards Against Humanity site. And last year they sold shit and you could buy it and they sent you a piece of cow shit. 
but they made so much money doing that. But they donate the profits to charity. One time it was Wikipedia, which I'm not sure how charitable it is, but I may be ignorant on that. But still, they donated an insane amount of money. And this year, they're <laughs> selling nothing. And they're, donate, they're asking their employees to donate it. But if you don't donate it, that's okay. You just have to tell the world what you're using the money for. And you're going to hate this, SBJ, because one of the employees listed, and if I remember correctly, one of the things they bought was like a $2,000 artificial phallus, which is just a family-friendly way of saying... Dildo. Thank you, Sean. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they made a $71,000, and they all. I, it looks like they split it up between the employees, and they bought... You know, one guy bought $50 in $1 bills, somebody donated charity, somebody bought Lord of the Rings motion picture Blu-ray. Um, scrolling to the bottom, somebody bought a two-handed greatsword. So I don't know, I guess they just split the profits. Yeah. <laughs> they have given nearly $4 million to charity, um, but not from this one. Yeah. So, I mean, that's one thing. And I have met some of his staff because they did get to go to XOXO Fest. And there is definitely some diversity with the hiring practices at Cards Against Humanity. So, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Sean, I wanted to pull you into the conversation with punching up versus punching down because you sell it, say it very eloquently, unlike me being able to say, say. Yeah, I, these are really complex topics. and I don't want to sound like a giant moron on our podcast. Um, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's I so heated. We're really waking the giant. I'm sure this will probably get us some listener feedback talking about this stuff. Um, you know, the concept of punching up and punching down, which I'm not going to defend or, you know, attack is that, you know, we can, um, punching up would be attacking people in places of power and punching down would be attacking people who are disenfranchised. Um, I have weirdly bad opinions about the, that entire sort of system, not cards against humanity, but the idea that like, it's okay to make fun of people who are in power and it's not okay to make people fun of people who are victims. Um, but that's generally what the concept is, it, as I as I understand it, which could be totally wrong. Um, yeah, I'll we SBJ and I talked about this in an episode that you weren't in, and we talked about <laughs> bathroom humor. You remember this, SBJ? I do. And my argument is, I find bathroom humor hilarious. Talking about sexual humor, that's hilarious because I don't think that's punching up or down. I think that's punching inward because this is making light of something that all of us have to have in common, embarrassingly so. But I think it's possible to have a really strong sense of humor at the expense of nobody, except those that maybe feel uncomfortable about bathroom humor and sexual humor. But, you know, that, so that's my opinion is uh, making fun of yourself. I kind of like that unless you're actually being sincere and you have emotional problems. But making fun of anyone else, whether it's punching up or punching down, eh, in fact, let me share this, and then we can move on because, man, yeah, this is we, we fucked this one up. We really screwed this podcast. We and now, start all over. forty dollars Christmas gifts <laughs> and an elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, one of my brother's friends' fathers just died, and his son gave the eulogy at the funeral, and his son was very eloquent in his speech, and he talked about all the great people that were here to celebrate his father's life and that no one at this funeral can say 
that my father, this is Lars talking and it was Lars said, no one in this funeral can say that my father ever said anything bad about anyone. Wow. And that is something, it's a really bold claim, but Lars, that's the name of his son, which my nephew is named after. But anyways, Lars says, this is something that made my father incredibly unique because my father lived by a credo that most people simply cannot do. And my father said, if you can't say something that contains three things, you shouldn't say it at all. One, is it kind? Two, is it true? And three, is it necessary lending to the greater of good? So if you can't say yes to all three of those, true, kind, necessary, you shouldn't say it at all. Must be a quiet guy. That's what I was thinking, you know, and, and when I heard this, I tried applying it to myself and all it did was lower my self-esteem because I'm like, I thought I was a nice guy, but oh my goodness, I waste so much airspace with just rambling. It, it So much of what I say is not necessary. Case in point right now. Yeah, Definitely. I have like <laughs> a lot to say, but I don't want to drag on the show. Let's do it. Man, let's I'm just, okay let's with just it. tossing out some Yeah, let's shit. just start cutting out uh, material. Let's do this. What do you got, SBJ? I mean, I was just gonna, which going to say that like I'm, I have always, especially since being in a relationship with Irene, like working to be a better person because I don't think, I don't think past relationships have really challenged me in that way, or made me challenged more, you like racially, social, challenged you to like, be a better person, to what be a mean? better person, mm. um, and I think that comes uh, with just the kind of person Irene is and the the struggles that I see her deal with. Not not saying that I don't have my own struggles, but like I actively try to work on that and um I think that come that also comes across when I play like Destiny because uh, I play that a lot and I play that with a lot of my listeners on my other podcasts and just like the range of different people I meet and like their social cultures and when like you're playing a game with somebody and you we can tie this back to board games especially with like a group of people you don't know and that game goes anywhere from like a couple minutes to a couple hours but more on the couple hour side you like really get to learn what makes what, them laugh what might offend mm-hmm. them what doesn't like their sense of humor and it almost makes you stop and think like oh i've always like made these kind of jokes but they're not laughing or they don't think it's funny or in reverse, they're making kind of jokes where you're like, oh, like, I don't think that's funny. It's it's more so that, like, I'm getting at, like, I, I have opened my horizons and, like, seeing how other people react to different things. Not saying that that didn't happen before. You're just more socially aware of, like... You're just in the trenches more now. And I'm not saying that in a bad way and not just because of your relationship. Because you just decided to open up your world by the sounds of it. Right. And like uh, a, a good example is um, my brother, who is very young, doesn't listen to the show. So I'm going to throw him under the bus just for, just for a bit. You threw your entire family over the bus last episode, so don't stop now. That's right. No, I didn't throw anyone. Uh, I did throw Irene's. You family said under you the bus don't the like them. Oh, my family? Yeah, yeah, I don't like them. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I'm playing. My my brother just got Destiny because he wanted. Uh, like I I wanted to do more things with my brother. Like he just turned 18. Like he's still pretty young. I'm 27, and it's like I'm at that point where like I'm trying. I'm 28, to, and I also have an 18 year old brother. 
hey, look at that. I'm, like, trying to connect more with my family because, like, I know, like, friends may come and go, but, like, obviously I'm going to see my brother until I die. We're getting to that age, man. Yep. I'm the same way. Yeah. Make friends with your family if you can. (laughs) So, like, he, he went out and he bought a PS4. He bought Destiny. He went to play with me and we're playing the other night and he was like, oh, man, that guy's so gay. Like as a, like an insult of like as an eighteen year old, wow! And, I, and nowadays, like, an eighteen year old still using that. That's crazy. Yeah, and that's that's what blew my mind. And like my 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 really really good friend Will, uh, who is ex- extremely gay, and I love him for it. And he's one of the most amazing people in the world. Is he? We Will is it. in our B you know, team. Gay person. B team. B team. Will, um, who who knows how to say <laughs> bagel as well as Logan knows how to say bagel, but you f- being from Wisconsin. Uh, how do you bagel? say? Oh, you picked up on that too. Yeah, I say bagel uh, really weird. I don't know how anyone doesn't pick up on it. I was. How often are you guys talking were... about bagel on this podcast? They had bagels a whole episode good. about bagels, and they oh, didn't fair enough. mention how SBJ talked about it. Yeah, you got to <laughs> listen to the other podcast, Sean. Anyways, keep on going, bagel. Uh, <laughs> but he said it a couple times before, like, and I didn't want to call him out because there was a bunch of people in party. But I texted him, and I was like, "Man, we don't live in the '90s anymore." Like. You have to be more socially aware that you can't, like, gay is not an insult. It's somebody's sexual preference. And if, like, Will was here right now, one, he'd be super offended. And two, like, he would instantly call you out and, like, socially embarrass you in front of everyone because it is really insulting. How did he respond to that? He he just said, okay, like, but like, he got, like, a lot quieter in the chat. And he didn't end oh. up saying it again. But there are a couple other words that I heard him kind of say. Like um, what? He... Uh, when he got shot, he was like, oh, this guy just raped me. And I was like, mm. I used to be guilty of both those things back in the day. Oh, absolutely. And I will be the first to say when I was 14, like those words left my mouth. Oh, I've I said s- more rants and shit than both of you combined easily. And <laughs> easily. maybe still remain to do some a little bit, Sean. Uh, I gave oh, up absolutely. saying gay a long time ago. Rape was actually just like three, four years ago. And it was quite a reality check for me. I was like, oh, my goodness. I thought everyone just knew that I was a, such a strong rape victim advocate. And I would only say those comments in very safe places. But even someone who I thought was my really close friend said, I hate you, basically, because you say that. I'm like, whoa, I thought we were friends. Not when you say that. So that was a tough time for me and Alan. That was a tough time. <laughs> when I told him that. <laughs> I don't know if you're joking. I'm joking. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't Sean. me. It no. was not Sean. No. No. But it's it's weird because I want to like let him into like what I do in my world, and it's just like like oh you're you're so far behind me in the social aspect of things, which is a really important thing when you're an adult. I almost think I'm going to criticize you a little bit here because we're getting to know each other, and uh, that's what I do. Um, I'm trying to see myself and I'm, I sure, I'm sure I do the same things too, but I'm wondering like your brother probably doesn't have any gay friends and your brother probably doesn't know anybody who's been sexually abused. You know what I mean? And that like, or at least doesn't know he knows. Right. Yeah. I'm sure he does actually know somebody who has, um, I mean, it's a solid 10% no matter where you go for homosexuality and sexual abuse. The numbers are pretty scary there too. But I, I I think I see that I, I think I see that in both my younger brother and my younger sister. They say and do a lot of things that because I know my parents, I know they, they rarely get out of the house. They like still watch like channel four 
local news. Like they don't. I guess my only real point is like, I, you know, you don't want to teach kids to speak in like a coded language. Like, don't say that. That's a bad word. Don't say that. That's a bad word to a certain extent. I mean, I don't know. I'm shooting in the dark here as much. I can probably back you up. You want me to help you out, Sean? Which is like, you know, they need to like meet some new people. They need to read some new books, man. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just about reforming the sort of things people use. I think in a world where we had better quality, the amount of shit we'd be allowed to say would be, you know, significantly widened. Um, but the gap is so huge, it's not necessarily. Anyway, I don't want to knock. You know, I think what you did was a good thing. I was just thinking, like, man, if his if his horizon is really that small, like, yeah, it's helpful to like make him more sophisticated to where you could take him out in public and not be worried about the kind of shit he's going to say. But I'm wondering if at his core is if he's really going to understand that kind of stuff until he actually meets and engages with people that he doesn't really know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, totally. And I think that's a super good perspective. I apologize. Uh, Probably will want to edit out what I'm about to say because I lost Sean for a bit there. There was a whole dead air. I'm not sure. Did you hear that too, SBJ? Yeah, yeah, it was a second. Oh, yeah, wow. because I actually j- jumped in and I don't think you heard me. I said, well, I can help you out because I heard I this. I did hear that, but yeah. I didn't know that there was a problem. I was just like, cut out. no, I'm All fine. Right. I'm still talking. So let's be silent for a second to give SBJ that cue that we may want to cut this out because I'm going to chime back in. All right. So I think one of the things to understand, or at least what I try to tell my class, is very Carl Rogerian. Carl Rogers, guy that says you should give unconditional positive regard. And to back up what both of you are saying and not in any attempt to shame anybody, is Carl Rogers says, unconditional positive regard. And I'll simplify it to easier terms and then bring this back to games. If my cousin, let's suppose my cousin's a huge slob, and I see my cousin growing up, and my cousin's room is just always a mess, and I decide I'm going to take it upon myself to talk about possible issues my cousin will have in life being a total slob, leaving everything everywhere. And the conversation, I don't want it to go as I judge them and say, you're a slob, you need to do this, your life's falling apart. But instead say, hey, you know what? You can be a slob for the rest of your life and I want you to know that I will still love you no matter what. Like, that's great. And in truth, I don't really judge you for it. If you are happier because you're a slob, that's fine. But what you need to realize is that some people will come around and they will judge you for it. And if you're not comfortable with people judging you for your mess, then you may want to start adapting it or you may want to start looking at a bigger picture of how your mess may affect other people. Now, this could apply for bigger things, but the comfortable thing about being a slob in your own home is that's in your own home. When you leave your home and you go out into the world, if you're a mess around everyone else and your mess starts interfering with their mess, then they have a greater right to almost try to make you feel ashamed because now you're putting your lifestyle onto them. So just be aware of this. I love you no matter what, but Godspeed, good luck, and hope uh, you know that you always got a good place of non-judgment here, but that won't be everywhere. And with this, it frees them almost not to be shamed. Because I remember when the whole being put in my place about saying gay at one point, but also rape and the other time, there's definitely this whole like week long at least of suffering for me. I'm a little bit more sensitive, I think, than most people where I do all this introspection and it hurts. I feel alone. I feel abandoned. I feel pissed. 
I'm pissed at the world because everything I was doing is wrong. What? I don't mean that. How, does, how do people not know that I'm a good person? I work so hard at it. And because I say this thing, I'm a bad person. What the hell? And I think had it been delivered in a gentler way of saying, hey, it's totally cool. I know you're coming from the right place, but just be aware that you could be doing very active damage. Whether you realize it or not, you're hurting people. So anyway, I think that maybe that was a ramble that you can totally cut out. Not sure. Anyone want to validate me on any of that? I mean, you only rambled for yes. two minutes. But it was good. <laughs> okay. Validation. It was Thank very you. good. Achieved. All right. Cool. It's, it's weird even talking in our podcast because you feel vulnerable sharing these things. You're like, man, Absolutely. I really don't want to offend anyone. I'm trying to do my best in the world here. And I think everyone is. And I think maybe even your little brother is. And, and, and that's why it's so scary to even say some things. And, and I don't want to live in a world where people are too scared to say anything. But I also want to be, be able to live in a world where people can tell you when you're screwing up. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I, I think I've had that experience where I've had to learn to not be as surprised when somebody says, hey, you fucked up. Um, because it's very, I have it innately. Alan's seen this a ton of times. Like I can be a very defensive person. Um, and I try really hard to, like if somebody says, hey, you did this and it offended me or hurt my feelings or you did this and it was wrong or you did this and blah, 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 blah. To just not let it shock me that much because I make, I fuck up all the time. I'm not a great person. Uh, you know, I have, I make tons of, you know, errors both in work and just in life. Um, but it can get it can get really hard to not feel like you're getting credit for your intentions, you know. Um, that like one slip up can really take everything down. I definitely can identify with that feeling. And I think that's trying to bring it back to the games is one of the reasons I really love gaming with people is it's this mutual activity, and this is why I love social games more than Euro games, is because it gives you that opportunity to have a platform in which you can have these conversations. Even Werewolf, for example, I've had these type of conversations as a sidebar while mm. everyone else is just throwing accusations around. But plus, I can feel myself in these games sometimes get heated, and that is the opening of the world. Like, all right, I'm putting myself in an uncomfortable position so I can later self-reflect and learn something from this interaction. That was a good transition. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that was exhausting. Um, yeah, it was. So, anyways, thanks, I, I played Salem. <laughs> All right, twelfth uh, and, and last episode of the Two Sunday Games <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Sean, did you play anything? I played uh, Master Fox with a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, but it's nothing as good as talking about deep racial societal issues for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, no, it was fun. It was fun. Do we have time to talk? About I feel. I feel bad. I feel. Uh, how do we feel? Do we feel good moving on, or should we? Do we have? Other? Uh, let's talk about Ma Master Fox, uh, and then let's do the. Um, I'm sorry. Let's do the Christmas stuff. Episode? Okay. And then, well, let's cut interaction satisfaction for next week. Sorry, peeps. Um, and then this would be a good time to say, like, if you have any questions, comments, concerns. <laughs> uh, you can email us at <laughs> podcast at Tuesday sure Night Games, will. whether it's. <laughs> 
board game related or the topic we just talked about. <laughs> if you care to do so, if you have any input, uh, any emails would be greatly appreciated. And uh, Alan has some stuff. I think I have one or two in the inbox. So if you guys want to fill our inbox with stuff, um, that'd be awesome. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And Sean is going to tell us how great Master Fox was with a five and a seven-year-old. <laughs> Sorry. Recentering. Um, <sighs> little, uh, little, little elevator pitch. Can I get some elevator pitch type, uh, type, uh, suggestions? Uh, do you want someone that you're pitching to? How about yeah. we make it game appropriate? You are pitching this to a child who is dressed up as a fox for some random reason that you don't know why. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, child. Um, I see you have this fox mask on, which is perfect for the game we're about to play. I don't know where you came from or why you're here, but I don't want to get in trouble. So, you know, I'll just explain this game to you and then we'll just shove you out the door back to the wilderness that you came from. Master Fox is a, I guess I'd call it a dexterity game for maybe two to four players, something like that. And um, we're all going to put on blindfolds that are shaped like fox masks. And we're going to reach our hands into this box and we're going to try to pick out different shapes. Uh, There's sheep wooden blocks and horses and snakes and there's a hammer, things like that. And we get points uh, for scoring correctly. Please leave my house now, strange child. <laughs> I love that your house has an elevator. <laughs> uh, Someday it will. <laughs> this is funny because we won't get to interaction satisfaction, but there were definitely some comments that said, I feel like I should read them. It said, hey, love the elevator pitch. Hate having it being to someone specific. <laughs> so I guess I might be the only one who really loves that idea and I'm totally willing to let that go I mean the one that worked really well was when Sean did the train thing last week <laughs> oh man yeah. didn't like so the pro wrestler and things yeah that was good I like the pro wrestler <laughs> oh my god the bridge <laughs> oh you Al- told me the lion has got a great pro wrestler voice <laughs> you cut that um. <laughs> it was so good it was a great impersonation <laughs> um so I played it with uh, my girlfriend and her niece and nephew and her mother. Um, so, you know, we had grandkids and a grandma and everybody there. Um, and it's this fun little game because, you know, it's dexterity based. I guess you'd call it that. Like you're trying to, with your eyes closed, pick out, you know, the difference between a horse and like a dog shaped wooden block. Uh, but it was super easy to explain. And the five-year-old won. Um, I was on her team, so I was helping. But. I just liked, you know, it's from, I think it's from Yellow. I bought it at Gen Con. It was 30 bucks. I walked by, everybody had these fox masks on, and the guy was like, you want to play? I was like, sure, is it good? And he was like, uh, you better just play it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and so I played it. I was like, where do I buy? And it felt like the stupidest purchase in the world. I was like, I'm never going to be able to play with this with my friends. It's just like playing grab ass for 30 minutes. Um, but even games that I consider pretty casual, like King of Tokyo, um, when you start putting the action cards and the points in, they can be really difficult for a five and a seven year old, um, especially if they don't have, you know, like gamer parents or whatever. But this one was so easy and it was a lot of fun. Um, and the kids were having a, a blast with it. Although uh, kids cheat, man. I found like kids learn to cheat very early on. Alan, you've you've basically raised, you know, young children in gaming before. <laughs> Do you have you found that to be true that kids will just fucking cheat? 
It's interesting because my love for games did kind of start with teaching them to my little cousins. But uh, it's, yeah, of course kids will cheat. My cousins, not so much. I, I don't think they cheated. But yeah, of course. What, what am I going to say? No, kids don't cheat. No, I guess <laughs> I meant like I, I didn't like... You didn't when realize adult, it. When an adult cheats, I think like this person's got some shit going on in their life and for whatever reason they need a win today. When a child cheats, I think it's like cheating is fun. <laughs> like I feel like the motivations are totally different. Yeah, what's funny is I ran I ran a Pokemon TCG league. So for for our listeners, it's just like at like a hobby town or something, every Wednesday night I would like host an open league and then parents would just bring their kids off and like treat it like a daycare and no you like like pokemon like here are a bunch of other kids that like pokemon we'll see you in two hours Um, that sounds awesome so like a lot of the kids they didn't understand the game or really care like most kids like collecting the cards and that's about it but you have the ones that are extremely interested in learning and wanting to learn and you know kids like to win and i think that's the biggest thing is kids like to win so i could not believe the age range from like five to 13 and they were all cheaters all of them (laughs) so you see what you know what i'm talking about they just they're they cheat like like do any of the three of us have kids that we know of not that i know of not that i know of no i have not produced any you guys have kids that i know about that you don't know about uh yeah but that wasn't the question come on right (laughs) we're already low on time here's what i want you to do sean i want you to play what's in Ned's head and tell me what which is better because I freaking love that game and that's impossible and it's the same for kids type of to game? cheat in. Yeah, it's amazing and it's by some random company called Fundex, but it's just two to four players. You have a deck of cards. Everyone draws a card and you keep it to yourself and then you go, go! And everyone reaches into this giant stuffed head that's cloth and it's soft. You can reach into his ears, into his nostrils, oh, yeah. and there's all these items in there and you're feeling around. And the fun thing is you're feeling the other people's hands as they're in there at the same time. And then you have to pull out the object. And the cool thing is, is that adults aren't necessarily better at it than kids because it's totally a dexterity racing game and you're that's mashing awesome. things around. And a lot of times what happens is the adults will start pulling each other's hand and being mean to each other because, of course, they <laughs> won't do that to the kid because the kid will freak out. But, yeah, and then as soon as you pull it out, you flip over your card. Got it! So, yeah, I want to no, see I'll what you think. I'll definitely pick that game up. I'm going to pick that up, and I'm going to pick up uh, Loop and Chewy. Yeah. No. I have the and best. then Pandemic Legacy. <laughs> here's, here's my Chewbacca impersonation. I've, I've been told it's the best. <laughs> Welcome. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Excuse me, Sam. Do you have the time? Uh, yeah. It's topic time. Uh, let's talk about Christmas games. Holiday games. Topic of the episode. Topic of the episode. Topic of the episode. So, like I said earlier, before, uh, the depression part of our episode, um, (laughs) we, we're gonna do more expensive games this week, not so expensive games next week, and then cheap stocking stuffers for our final week. Uh, we all picked a handful of games. I've know, got three. And because we're not miniatures players, we're defining expensive as over $40. Right, right. Like we're not going to be talking about Kingdom Death or uh, what's the other Actually, Super Dungeon Explorer? Yeah. I have one on my list that's going on Amazon for $900. So. <laughs> wow. So we're, 
uh, original price over $40. You probably will find these games cheaper on Amazon or on websites, but since we're approaching the holiday season, we don't know when you're listening to this, you might end up going into a board game store, and so you're probably going to pay the price that we... the original price of the game if you're doing that. So just keep that in mind. How many uh, games do you have, SBJ? I have three. How many do you have, Sean? Uh, I have four, but I'll cut it down to three if we need. Okay, cool. Should we go round robin then? One each and then sure, go around sure. three times quick? Go for it. Uh, I will start with Evolution. I've talked about this game, I think, twice now. Yeah, um, you should you should be getting some pay for that. Royalties from North Star Games? Yes. Uh, so Evolution is a uh, two to five player. It could be six. I could, uh, I, I've played it with five multiple times. Uh, it is a $54 game. Um, but you want to get the second edition. I'm sure there are still first editions available, but you want to get second edition just because uh, there's cards are better, artwork's a little better, and it works with the expansion if you care to do so. Um, if you want my evolution pitch, I think it was... Let's go to the episode title where it says evolution the title. I have a really good pitch, but that is my first game is Evolution by North Star Games. Nice. Uh, my first game is Tragedy Looper. Uh, retails for thirty nine ninety nine from Z-Man Games, and it's for two to four players, thirteen and up, couple hours playing time. Um, if you love anime, <laughs> which is a great way to start off the pitch, <laughs> this game to me really gives off the sense of mystery and wonder and sort of surreal confusion that I that I remember having from watching anime as a kid uh, before it was so prevalent. Alan and I played this for our first time, uh, BGGCon 2014, um, and it's Clyde. a mystery game with Clyde, with Clyde, with one of our better uh, dancing playtesters. It's a game where you're all, it's sort of like Time Stories, uh, but it came out first, where you're all adventurers. Yeah, Time Stories. Get it together. Um, traveling back in time to stop a tragedy from happening, but you don't know what the tragedy is, and you only have a certain number of days and loops to try it before you know the tragedy permanently occurs. The only problem with the game is that it's there's a game master, and if you play the game master, then the scenario is kind of ruined for you because you you have perfect information. So I've only played like the first scenario, um, and I've taught the first scenario a bunch of times. But the the hope is that you run into more people, they play more, you can get the next scenario run for you. It's a wonderful game. Uh, Alan and I, I think, were both surprised that somebody even designed it because it's very complex without being uh, like too difficult in an unnecessary way. It's challenging, but it's not like stupid. Um, it's very difficult to play without instantly respecting the designer and realizing, I think this guy's a genius. This is absolutely. crazy because it actually captures the feel of it's Groundhog's Day meets it meets sliders if you remember that show mm. so you're living the same day over and over again and you feel like oh crap someone died i don't even know why what happened but some tragedy happened you start all over again rip, 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 rip. it had an amazing feel and i think the one important thing to say too is i recommend it only be grandfathered to you because reading the rule book is not as fun as someone who has already played it then becoming the game master or the mastermind i think is what he's called so i'd like yeah. all of you to go out and buy it and play it and then come back and teach me some of the scenarios or you know if you catch me at a trade show i'll try to bring a copy if you have a copy and i'll run the first scenario for you there we go that's really cool alan my game yeah is telestrations i recommend telestrations by usaopoly 
It's four to 12 players. That's right. I recommend getting the 12 player pack. It's worth the extra money because I think the eight player pack is like 30 bucks. So for 10 extra dollars, you get bigger booklets. Um, age 12 and older, but basically all you need to be able to do is pay attention and draw. It is a telephone game with drawing. It's based off of a classic game called Eat Poop You Cat, which is where everyone just writes some phrase down and then they pass the pad of paper down because everyone has their own pad of paper. They write their little drawing, draw the word, and then you pass it. Then someone has to guess what it was, then pass again. Someone has to draw what that person guessed. Eventually, you could have started out with a uh, cat in the hat and ended up with someone guessing dinosaurs at a water park. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing. I feel like I've played like a, like a, not a print and play, but just like a, like a home built version. Right. Yeah. 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 Eat poop. You cat is the home version where all you do is you get just like some a piece pads of paper. of paper. Yeah. And you just pass it around. So everyone has a piece of paper. Write a word, pass, that person draws it, then covers up the word, pass, etc. Yep. But Telestrations makes it mainstream. People are more likely to play it because as they hold it, it's quality components. And they won't think, what the hell is this bullcrap you're making us do? Instead, they're like, oh, it's a game because it's published. <laughs> uh, my second game is Power Grid by Rio Grande Games. Grid, Grid of Power. It is <laughs> <laughs> for two to six players. Uh, it is about building power plants and connecting those power plants and whoever has the most power plants wins the game. Uh, the cool thing about Power Grid is, well, it's both like the cool thing and the bad thing. Uh, it has little luck in it. It is all about strategy. A lot of people compare it to like, a lot of people say it's Monopoly, but without the randomness. We've I know Alan and Sean hate this game. Yeah, we'll never get to play it. So Never. Unless they change the name to Grid of Power. Grid of Power. That's true. Um, I would recommend, though, if you do pick up this game, if you go over to Board Game Geek, uh, somebody did a better instruction rule book than the Ooh. one that comes in it. Oh, just losing me a little bit more there. Yep. Hey, some rule books are really bad, and some fans make them easier. Truth. So you can't argue with that. Uh, but it's one of my favorite games, and I never get, I don't get it to the table often because... Um, if you know how to play the game, you already have an advantage over other people. But um, if you have a bunch of accounting friends, they would instantly love this game. So that is a plus. Hmm. Because accounting people love to outmath other people. My second game is King of Tokyo, which I'm sure you've all heard of. If not, I think you mean Monopoly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By that, I think you mean Power Grid. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I just think it's a great I think it's a great buy. I think it's a piece that needs to be in everybody's house. I think it's got a wide type of player um that can play. I did play it with the five and seven year old niece and nephew. Um and I just helped out I I chose the action cards for the five year old to buy. She just liked getting the energy cubes because it was fun. Um <laughs> She's so not I wrong. Think, yeah, she's not she's not. The energy cubes are cool. Um anyway, oldie but a goodie for me. My second game, I'm going to say role-playing game. And Dungeons & Dragons is what's hot right now, and it's probably easier to get your friends to do. It's $33 per book, so you're looking at almost $100 for all three books, which is the Player Guide, the Game Master, and the Monster Manual. 
But you could go with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay 3rd Edition. Woo! That's my... Uh, I, I love Warhammer universe. It's basically Cthulhu meets fantasy as opposed to like the 1920s and 30s or 1890s. So imagine D&D meets Cthulhu and you've got yourself Warhammer Fantasy. I checked it out on Amazon and currently you can get the whole base starter pack for $900. So I, I think it's because it's out of print. So sorry for wasting your time with that one. Sign me up. Isn't it funny how crazy expensive board games get when they're out of print? Oh, it's ridiculous. I don't understand. Yeah, and it's crazy how much it works on me. Oh, damn, I really want that. <laughs> I want it so much now. Look how expensive it is. Mm. <sighs> My last game is the deluxe edition of Machi Koro by IW, IDW Games. I don't know if that stands for something. That's a comic book company. Is it? Yeah, IDW idw publishing they make like 30 days a night that kind of stuff oh okay um list price is 49.99 and it stands for idea and design works llc <laughs> there you go that's not that bad uh the deluxe edition of machi Caro comes with both expansions which is uh harbor harbors row and millionaires bro i think harbor expansion millionaires row um, both drastically changed the base game, uh, and it can go from two to six players, and it is the complete opposite of Power Grid. It is pretty much all luck-based, uh, but there is skill. You can focus on doing mechanics and rolling dice and hoping you get that, or you can play it safe and kind of spread yourself across all the dice rolls or go big in one specific dice number. If you like rolling dice and uh, if you like like gambling... That's kind oh, of the feel I? I get. That's kind of the feel I get from it. It's it's very very risk reward, um, but one of my favorite games. And uh, every play group I've ta- it's probably the game I've played the most in 2015. Uh, and every time I've played it with somebody, they loved it. So, wow! I hear that the deluxe edition is the de facto one you should go for because the one of the expansions really kicks it up a notch. Yeah, that's the Harbor one. I have not played Millionaire's Row yet, but the Harbor one is fantastic. Uh, my third game is also a role-playing game, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, uh, which is a cool little indie publisher, um, and they make what is currently my favorite version of the original game we all know and love, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, the books, you know, range between thirty and forty bucks each, uh, but their modules are usually pretty cheap, under twenty dollars. Um, I'd get the just the core rulebook, um, but I'd also get Vornheim. Uh, if you can find it, and Death Frost Doom, as well as Carcosa, which is a nice little setting pack. Uh, Limitations of the Flame Princess is really dif- kid friendly. <laughs> it's <laughs> difficult. It's bloody. It's deadly. Some people say too deadly, which I love um, because the selling point for almost all role playing games is you just do whatever you want. You know, it could fit any system. It could fit any setting. But Limitations of the Flame Princess not only provides a setting it's set in like the real world in the i want to say 1600s something like that um it also has its own ethic of the way the game should be played and what made D fun to begin with and while you may agree or disagree with it um i like that it at least puts you down a path it says this is going to be deadly you're probably not going to survive and those of you who do survive will spend all the gold you acquired you know uh building a house or buying weapons and things like that um 
I love everything they put out. Every module's painstakingly created to to present something new and uh, interesting. Um, they're not just churning out modules. It's just one guy and then the writers and artists he works with. So anyway, can't sing its praises enough. Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Lots of naked ladies in that book. Not so, lots of naked ladies. My last game is Escape, The Curse of the Temple. Why? Because it's a cooperative game by Queen Games. It plays two to four players, but if you get the expansion, then it plays five players. I recommend you just get the big box edition for $70 because it has all the expansions in it right then and there. And it's a time game. I believe it's 15 minutes. It comes with a CD or you download the music soundtrack and it is a dice game as well. So if you like rolling dice and you like cooperative games, you're going to love Escape, The Curse of the Temple. It, I think it, it probably is my favorite cooperative game, besides, of course, role-playing games. But this is a tabletop games, not role-playing games. I would say favorite cooperative game. Yes, even beating Forbidden Island. Yes, even beating Pandemic. Uh, yeah, I think it's incredible and it's stressful. Rolling dice, everyone at the same time. And what, what puts it over the top for you over the other uh, well-beloved co-op games? Very easy to teach. It's very easy to teach, and it's quick, which I love. And it's Ooh. impossible to quarterback. And by quarterbacking, for those that are uninitiated, we mean it's impossible for one person to tell you exactly how to play the game. Because everyone has their own five dice that they have to keep on rolling, and it tells them that how they can move from place to place, but also you have to work together. It is an amazing exercise. I think they need to give this game to Navy SEAL training camps because it's all about making sure there's as little noise pollution as possible and when you talk it can only be in very confirmative affirmative and direct language i am going here i need someone here now you have no room to be like i'm not sure should i do this i well, <laughs> the weather is kind of crappy don't you think there's no time for any of that no time to talk about max temkin no time to make yourself feel awkward you just gotta do it that game makes you realize how short 10 minutes actually is in life. Yeah. Oh, I have lots of activities that make me realize how short 10 minutes <laughs> is. Um, man, I need to get that game. I feel like I have not played that game enough, or maybe at all. I will say, though, uh, do not get... Uh, maybe you feel the same way, or maybe you haven't played it, Alan, but I didn't feel like the two expansions added anything to the game. Yeah, I think the big expansion that's worth getting is the fifth player because I love playing with five players. It doesn't make it easier with five players because it scales well. But I, it's just, oh, I guess it is a lot more money with the other expansions. The expansions are for someone who really loves it. So uh, yeah, put it in a check. $42, I found it, uh, is just the basic one and you can get away with that. But if you get really good at it with your group and your group really falls in love, you're going to want the extra challenge. And what the expansions do is they just really throw kinks in the way. Uh, the basic premise is you're all trying to escape a temple, but in order to do that, you have to collect enough gems. And halfway through the game, you all have to come back to the start. Otherwise, you permanently lose a die. But one of the expansions is like the illusion pack which is where rooms will disappear permanently at the halfway mark. So it totally changes the map. So what you thought would be an efficient way to get to the exit once you reveal the exit, no longer an option, mister. I do feel though with the illusions, you almost need like a moderator to like help control. Oh yeah, it's it, you definitely can have to work your way up. If you just started a new group of players with all the expansions, 
they'd hate the game. You really have to start as vanilla as possible. And only when you're really good at the basic game, then add on expansions, if required. So good point, start at the basic game, then if you love it, buy the expansions. But if you really think you're gonna play it a lot, $70. <laughs> Those are good choices. Cool. Well, we have hit the hour mark for this 30 minute show. Damn it! <laughs> so close. Ah, uh, we're getting there. As in making every episode longer and longer. But that's fine, I think, because we're, <laughs> we're, we're still leaving the episodes with more to talk about than we originally going it, originally had on the table. So yeah, not that, not the end of the world. And if you guys like it, then it's a win-win. Except for me when I have to edit it. <laughs> I really apologize. I have a surprise for next time. And I did get some good feedback and some questions. And I want you to know that we will... Uh, get those questions next time, I promise, because I feel bad for everyone who did uh, write to me. And can I do one quick shameless plug for yeah. a fellow friend? All right, so Jeremiah Isley is cool dude. He is one of two guys that runs TheologyOfGames.com, and they're doing a 12 Days of Christmas contest. So if you check out TheologyOfGames.com and you log on in, they're giving away a game every day, basically. So 12 Days of Christmas, free games. Check it out. He's a local guy. He's awesome. He talks about us all the time on his podcast. So, As yeah. always, I have to mention my friend Don Stroud. Otherwise, he won't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yep. What Is it asshole. worth it, though? Uh, it's probably not. At this point, it's just a running <laughs> joke in my head. Yeah. We should start doing the Matt Damon thing. We're like, Don, do you have any? Uh, oh, we don't have time, Don. Sorry, sorry. Don. Uh, Alan, where can our listeners find you? I accept anyone's friend requests on Facebook because I'm horribly lonely. And I'm also on Twitter at Alan Gerding. A-L-A-N-G-E-R ding! D-I-N-G. Awesome. Uh, Sean? I live in an alley behind the 7-Eleven in South Dallas. Now, you can get a hold of me at on Twitter at S-E-A-N Sean M-C-C-O-Y McCoy. Awesome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It is at Dragging a Lake. Otherwise, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening to this episode. And we will be back next week with some more games that you can get your families, family members, and friends for Christmas or whatever other holiday you celebrate or just for fun. Maybe it's their birthday. And a surprise. And a surprise. Alan has a surprise, apparently. Ooh. But otherwise, we are finished yeah. good, good podcast, right? <laughs>